And uh, so I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand in reverence to the Word of God. If you're physically able, if you're not, that's certainly understandable. But if you can, stand for the reading of the Word of God this morning. And we'll go ahead and just read the text, and then we'll get right into the message. And the title of the message is, you'll find it there in the text itself, uh, No Room for Jesus. Amen? Uh, no Room for Jesus. And uh, so Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 7, And she, that would be Mary, brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching, uh, the reading, uh, Lord, of the Word of God tonight, or this morning, rather. And Father, we just pray that, as we prayed earlier, that you would speak to hearts in a mighty and powerful way, Lord, that we would settle ourselves. And Lord, we understand sometimes uh, things can't be helped, and uh, children have to be tended to, and those types of things, Lord. But if we can... If we can uh, remain seated, Lord, without going in or out, Father, just to help everybody to be able to focus on the Word of God, Lord, I, I know that you would bless that. And uh, so, Father, just help us. And, Father, again, we might just take some of the cares and problems and worries that we might be struggling with today and just set them off to the side for just a few moments here. And, uh, Father, we might be able to, to understand what you'd have us to understand, dear God, whether we be saved, whether we be unsaved today, Lord, I believe you brought us here to this point in time. Uh, to share this message, and uh, Father, there's something in it that we all need. And so, Father, we just pray that your will will be done in it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray, amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Uh, Luke chapter 2, again, verse 7, a very common verse of Scripture, and oftentimes we might read this on uh, Christmas Eve or, or Christmas morning. Um, uh, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And what a lot of people may not realize, maybe you do, is this was really a fulfillment uh, of a prophecy we find way back in the book of Micah, some 700 years before Christ would be born. Uh, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, uh, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, talking about Bethlehem, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting. And so the birth of Christ in Bethlehem certainly was prophetical, just as Christ, or I'm sorry, just as God said it would happen. Uh, and when Christ was born, you know, we know that history tells us, the Bible certainly tells us that Caesar Augustus, he was the, at that time, the emperor of Rome. And uh, no doubt he and probably a lot of other people thought that he was running things. Um, and he would command uh, that the whole world be taxed. The Bible says, and went to be taxed, everyone into their own city. And what that meant was, is because not only Joseph, but uh, Mary also was from the lineage of David, Bethlehem, uh, the birthplace of David himself. And so Joseph and Mary, being the lineage of David, they had to go to Bethlehem all the way from their home uh, in Nazareth, uh, which was, or is, Nazareth still around, about 90 miles and uh, now that might not seem much to you and I today, but if you're nine months pregnant and riding on a donkey, that would be a long way to go, amen? Not to mention having to walk. And so they estimate probably four to five days, maybe even a little longer. Now we might think, you know, that old evil emperor making that poor young girl do that, nine months pregnant. Who does he think he is? But like I said, Caesar, Caesar might have thought that he was running things, but it was not Caesar doing this, but it was God's doing, you see. And uh, God was fulfilling his word, just like he said he would. 
But this morning I want to preach to you, as I said, about no room for Jesus. And, and it's amazing, sad if you will, that even while still in the womb, the world already had no room for Jesus, did they? And we know the story there, and as we'll see really, though this would be the case for Jesus all the way into his adulthood. There are, there are many times when there just wasn't any room for the Savior. He would actually be asked to leave. We don't want that here. And unfortunately, it's the same today. I, uh, the world doesn't seem to have room for Jesus. And, and you say, what do you mean, preacher? Jesus is in heaven. What do you mean there's no room on this earth for Jesus? Well, I'm talking spiritually, you see. In other words, what I'm saying is, is there's no room for Jesus in the lives of people. This morning we talked about patching. Uh, God doesn't do patchwork. Some people just want to kind of throw in a little bit here, throw in a little bit there, want God to patch up their life. Hey, listen, there's a lot of people that want to approach Christ the same way. They just kind of want to add him to what they're already doing and those types of things. But there's really no room for Jesus in the lives of people. And we can't be sure. I don't think the Bible reveals how everything came about that night. We looked at a lot of things last Sunday morning. And, but I was thinking about Joseph. You know, I think as men, we probably, probably look at it from Joseph's eyes. The ladies probably look at it more through Mary's eyes. And, and I tried to put myself in Joseph's shoes. And, and it was customary in that day to, to really knock on a stranger's door and, and request lodging. That wasn't out of the question. And let's remember that though this area, because of this taxation, was loaded with travelers and, and the, uh, not only Jerusalem but even Bethlehem being very close to Jerusalem, even by those standards, about five, six miles, the place was probably full of a lot of people. And really, that meant money. That meant opportunity. Uh, all of a sudden, hey, you can stay with me for a price. And certainly the, the rooms would go to the highest bidder. And I believe that to be true. And we know the scriptures reveal that Joseph was not a rich man. Uh, I see him there with his wife uh, sitting upon that donkey and, and going from house to house perhaps. Uh, 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 a, a last resort probably there. He goes to the inn, but there was no room for them. That is, no room for Joseph and Mary. And no room for Jesus. And so... I, being a man, and I could probably understand that the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I suppose that Joseph may have felt just a little, a little shamed about all that. I'm sure just like you and I want to take care of our spouses and our children, that, that the birth of, uh, of this baby, wasn't, this wasn't the ideal thing. And I, and I know we have the manger scenes and all looks warm and cozy, but I'm here to tell you that's not how it was. <laughs> Amen. Um, it, was a, it was a barn, by not a barn as we know it today, but a stall, if you will, and, and that's all they could come up with. And I'm sure Joseph felt the shame as they bedded down that evening, really in a stable as we would know it today. And again, it was there that the Savior of the world was born, and the Bible says laid in a manger, which is just a feed trough. The Savior of the world. And again, there was no room... For Jesus. So let's start off this with number one. Uh, a picture of the world's attitude towards Christ. I think we have it there. You know, there is no doubt that the world has a problem with Jesus. Now, now I say specifically with Jesus. Um, uh, uh, that night when the world uh, had no room for Christ, it really had a, 
really a universal, a, a future meaning, if you will. Uh, there was no room for Christ then, and unfortunately in the world today, there's no room for Him now. Now, when I say Christ, I'm not necessarily talking about Christ bodily, if you will, but I'm talking about what Christ stands for. True Christianity. The world doesn't mind a watered-down Christianity. The world doesn't mind a part-time Christianity. It doesn't mind a carnal Christianity. But, but a Bible-believing Christianity, the kind of Christianity that Jesus preached and taught, no room for that. Now, that's, that's a whole different story. And it's amazing to me that, that the world has no problem with, with a Buddha, perhaps, has no problem with a, a Mohammed, has no problem with a, a Gandhi, and so on and so on. But when it's, when it's about Jesus, about real Christianity, boy, the world just doesn't seem to like that. And you say, well, why, why, why is that? Why, why is it that that uh, the world has no problem uh, with what we would identify. I believe the Bible would make this clear. The world has no problem with dead and false religions that change not hearts. I believe the devil doesn't care if someone's religious. I don't believe the devil cares if someone is moral, just as long as they're not saved. That's all he cares about. But Jesus... Oh, when you preach Jesus, that's a different, that's a different issue. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one goes to heaven but by me. And the world doesn't have room for that. Amen. Because there's a lot of things that the Bible teaches about what it is to be a Christian. And the world, uh, that is the prince of this world, the devil, certainly he has a huge problem with Jesus. Amen. And has had. And always will have. So the world just just doesn't want Jesus today. That is the world system. There seems to be no room for Jesus. And for some who profess to belong to Jesus, there, there really seems to be no room to serve the Lord or to be faithful, uh, you know, whether it's through the church body or what have you. Again, that night there was no room for Jesus, and, and that really echoes on in the day and age in which you and I live today. It's just, it, there's just not room. We might say there's just not time for Jesus. And that's sad. Now, don't get me wrong. I, uh, well, we don't have one right now, but when we had kids and, and those types of things, I, I'm not against Christmas trees. Um, but we make room for Christmas trees. We make room for presents. And praise the Lord, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, uh, I remember in earlier years that we had a lot of people over to our house at different times, and one of the things I'd have to do is I'd have to dig the leaf out of the, for the dining room table. We had to extend it, you know what I'm saying? You guys understand what I'm saying? Is everybody awake? We had to, put a, had to put a leaf in the table to make that table longer to hold all the stuff in the people. <laughs> had to make room, amen, to hold all that bounty. We had to get more chairs and more seating and uh, to accommodate all the festivities, make room for friends and family that's going to stay over and sleep over. And I'm not preaching against that. Amen. I, I love that part. So we, we make room, but we don't, have, we don't really have room for Jesus in our lives. And I think that's sad. I think it is sad. So number one, we have a picture, really, of Christ that night with no room at the end. We have a picture of the world's attitude towards Christ even today. Number two, 
Jesus, an unwanted Savior. Now, this is just something that I read here a while back, and it just really sparked my, my interest, and I still don't have answers for it. Uh, I've dug pretty hard and just haven't found anything, but I've often wondered, when did Jesus, as a human being, as a man, realize that he was unwanted? That's a, that's a deep question, isn't it? I don't think the Bible reveals, so I want to be careful here. In other words, uh, we know that he came as a babe, and, and uh, we'll try to understand some things here, and I don't think that we'll ever know what, what Christ willingly laid aside temporarily when he left glory. I don't believe he laid his deity aside, but certainly he laid his glory aside for a moment of time. And we may wonder, though, as a newborn infant, did he really have that understanding, if you will? And I've got my thoughts on that. I'm not going to share that today. But, but when exactly did, did Jesus realize that he was unwanted? That's a, that's a deep question, isn't it? Something I never really had thought about before. And we know, now we know the adult Jesus had great wisdom and supernatural understanding and, 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 and he knew, the Bible says, what was in every man and woman that he came in contact with. And we know very little about his childhood, but Luke chapter 2 verse 52 says, as a child that he increased in wisdom and stature, not just growing physically, but he increased in, in wisdom and in favor with God and man. And I've wondered, did... Does this mean that Jesus, as, as a human being, he had to learn some things? Again, I'm not sure. What I'm saying is, is when we go back to the birth of Christ, when, when baby Jesus opened his human eyes for the first time on this earth, did he feel unwanted as a human being? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Don't even, I wouldn't even want to take a guess. But I think it's a, a good question. Did he know that he was unwanted? And sadly, our, our world is no stranger to unwanted children. Unfortunately, right? And you guys know this is probably close to my heart. I uh, was digging through some pictures the other day. We had the grandbabies over. and, and uh, uh, No, actually, it was some pictures that Miss Dana had out. I did that too, but this, that wasn't that occasion. But uh, Miss Dana's got some pictures out and came across some pictures of our daughter Layla. Most of you know she was adopted from China. She's just one year old. And, but these pictures are, are unique because they were sent to us from China. They're pictures of her months before we would actually get her. And uh, 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 just uh, some of you may or may not know the story, but Dana, or Layla was just as a newborn, a few days old. They're not exactly sure exactly what day she was born on, but at just a few days old, she was abandoned and put into an orphanage. Now, those pictures, she's laughing and playing, and, I mean, you wouldn't know that she, you know, she didn't have this sad orphan look. She's playing with a lot of other little beautiful babies that are all around her. And, uh, and, and I've looked at that picture a lot, but after studying for this this. Uh, message I got to thinking about that picture and and uh, you know really took some time the other day and just took a real long look at it and I thought did she know that she came into this world you know I want to be careful here but but she came into this world unwanted you know for whatever reason not judging anybody 
But now, you know, I, I believe that probably no. I, I, you know, just looking at those pictures, she was smiling, having a fun. She's riding some little plastic toy and looked like she's having a good time. And, and so I would say no, that as a, as a baby, she probably didn't understand what it was to be unwanted. After all, that's all she ever knew is where she was at. And, and praise the Lord, as far as she can remember, she's always been wanted by her mommy and daddy. She's never never remembered that anyway or or much maybe not even felt it but from her family uh, she's never known anything different than she knows now that she's wanted and loved not just by her family but even her church family and friends and i praise the lord for that what i'm saying is is when i think about that there's certainly hope for unwanted children to be adopted and to and to know and to feel what it is to be wanted I believe that, and that brings a smile upon my face. Yet for Christ, we go back to Christ. And we know not when he knew, but he certainly would come to know that he would be an unwanted Savior by many. And when did that happen? That's a curious question, somewhat of a heartbreaking question. And he would come to know that, that when he was born, only poor shepherds, as we looked at last week, would, would welcome him to the world, if you will. We know that, that later on, uh, I know we always put the birth of Christ and the shepherds, you know, the, the, the wise men and all that together, but, but, but as, a, as a toddler and, and certainly have plainly fulfilled the Scriptures, confirming who he was, was it the leading Jews who would just come six miles away from Jerusalem to bring gifts? No, they wouldn't come. They wouldn't come. But it would be strangers from the east traveling hundreds of miles to worship a king and a savior they've been looking for. And again, when did Jesus as a child begin to realize that he came into his own and his own received him not? When, when did that actually come to his mind? When did he actually feel that in his heart as a human being? When did Jesus learn that that a tyrant who did not want him, who did not have room for him, would have hundreds and maybe thousands of, of children killed just for the chance that he might destroy that one, that is, destroy him. When did Jesus know that? It's a good question. Jesus carried with him, no doubt, his whole earthly life, the burden of being unwanted. No room for Jesus. Jesus, the unwanted Savior. The scripture tells us in Isaiah 53, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. Nothing special about Jesus that he stood out. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not number two jesus an unwanted savior and it's the same today number three yet jesus came for those who have no room for him <laughs> isn't that amazing the very ones that say don't have room for you jesus as we learned this morning in sunday school that's the very ones jesus came for amen why, there was a time in my life I had no room for this Jesus. I had no room for spiritual things. I didn't believe all that. Hey, the, hey I, I believed in reality. <laughs> that is, until God got a hold of my heart, and I've learned the reality of a heaven and the reality of a hell. 
And then things got real, real, amen. Jesus came for those who have no room for him. He knew he would die on a cross for those who had no room for him. Amazing thought. There were some. We find him here in Luke chapter 2 who truly did receive him as Savior and saw him for what he was. And we look there in uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 29. Look there at what Simeon says. Uh, verse uh, 29. And Simeon was waiting for this. He says, uh, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Amen and the glory of thy people. And now in verse 38, we read of Anna, sweet lady Anna, also waiting for the birth of Christ. Verse 38, And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. There, there were a few who had room for Jesus, if you will, that were, that were looking for him, and there would be others throughout, uh, throughout his time on earth who truly believed and Praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for that. But for the most part, it wasn't the case. Oh, there would be some who, now listen, there would be some who had a superficial belief and followed for a while. Amen. Where's the staying power? Amen. We don't have no staying power today. And the reason some of us don't have staying power is because you don't have any Holy Ghost power. And the reason you don't have no Holy Ghost power is you need to be saved. But there would come a time those who had a superficial belief would follow for a while. And by the time, though, we, Jesus comes to the shadow of the cross, in other words, very close to the shadows of the cross, many of those that saw the miracle, many of those whom he fed, many turned from him. They no longer had any room for this man, Jesus. Isn't that sad? And soon those whom had saw those miracles and those that he had preached to and fed and helped, those very ones would be saying, crucify him, crucify him. What would be Christ's reply on that cross? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Jesus came for those who had no room for him. And he proved it all the way and even beyond the cross. I think for the uh, offertory, I think I recognize, I think Miss Anita even mentioned it, the very one whom the world had no room for, Jesus says there's room at the cross for you. You might not have room for Jesus, but I want to tell you something, Jesus got room for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. Isn't that amazing? Boy, your old sorry, wretched soul ought to get... Hey, listen, that ought to break your heart this morning. Jesus has room for everyone in here today. Praise the Lord. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. You might not have room for Jesus, but he has room for you, brother, sister. And even though a ba as a baby there was no room for him at the end, Jesus says to children, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not. There's always room 
Jesus always has room for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. What a stark contrast, amen? Jesus has made room for all the whosoever wills a place in heaven. By the way, you're a whosoever will. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus has room for you. You might not have room for him. He might get just a little bit of your time every once in a while. You might give him an intellectual nod at times. But I'm telling you, Jesus wants more than that, and he has room for you. Amen? Boy, that ought to, that ought to fire us up today. There's room to be saved right now. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if your name's on a church roll. I'm asking you, are you saved? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt if you died right now that you would make heaven your home? If not, there's room at the cross for you. There's room to be saved. Matter of fact, the Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I may not have said that exactly right. But there is room to be saved right now. There's room for you. But we must be reminded there will come a time when the door of salvation will be shut. God will not strive with man forever. And I also want to say that you have to have the wedding garment on. See, if you'd come to Sunday school in the mornings, you'd understand what I'm talking about right now. Amen. But there's only room in heaven for those that are saved by the blood of Christ. There is no room in heaven for a man or a woman that's lived a moral life but has not the blood of Christ. There's no room for you in heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only room in heaven for those that are saved by the blood of Christ. Only room for those saved through faith and the grace of God. And I'm done. My plea is, will you be saved today? Will you make room for Jesus? Will you trust Him to forgive you? The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that wonderful? Open your heart. Trust Him to take you to heaven. And believer, I just want to challenge you. Is there room for Jesus in your life of late? What is it that's keeping you from His work? What is it that's keeping you from all those things that He wants us to do to grow our fellowship with Him? Jesus has made room for you if you're saved. You know, here's the way I look at it. God's preparing a place for me. I, I ought to live in accordance to that. Amen? He gave up the portals of glory, came to this earth, suffered and died on a cross for my sin. Amen? I ought to be able to be faithful to Him. And not just out of sheer willpower, but because He saved me and He's indwelt me with the Holy Ghost of God. Amen? And that's all He asked. So let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. How about your room for Jesus? Are you saved? Christian, have you had much room for the Lord in your life lately? Have you crowded Him out with some things of this world? As we think about this here as we draw nigh to Christmas, if God's speaking to your heart, you step out and come. Brother Brad's going to begin to play. And I'm going to pray. Don't leave here with any unfinished business. Christian, you come to this 